Time to abandon ship. Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? It's a tradition. Here, here. Jar Jar, homie, my main man. Quickly, before the Separatists attack, get into the escape pod. Hey, this is escape, then we're the Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh, and today we have Diego joining us again right here for Star Wars Escape Pod. Uh, just a quick note, uh, the uh, link in the description for the episode Hostage Crisis, uh, the link to, this, to the stream on Disney Plus, is not working. It's actually taking you to the wrong, ep wrong episode. Uh, that's no fault of mine. It's just a StarWars.com thing. So uh, you'll have to look that one up manually. That's number 51, Hostage Crisis. But today we're going over uh, number 49 through 52. Two, sphere of influence evil plans hostage crisis and hunt for zero so let's uh meet diego and chat about those another happy landing All right, welcome back. Today on another episode of Star Wars The Escape Pod. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. I'll never get over that. You can just, at this point, it's just in ground in your head at this point, right? Well, like, uh, yeah, every, every time. Every time I hear that intro, I always expect his voice. On this episode, Senator Amadala or whatever. And yeah. <laughs> this time on Star Wars The Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> All oh, right, uh, quite a few things to go over on uh, these. Uh, yeah, wow. we got a lot of cool stuff. There's a lot of uh, familiar characters, that, a lot of name drops, uh, some familiar locations, of course. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> we got to see Cad Bane again through this whole thing. And Zero, uh, he's kind of back. And, uh, you know, um, we see a whole situation that evolves with that. So I guess just kind of working from the beginning. Uh, we started off with the Sphere of Influence, which was um, our first episode in the arc. Sort of. It's kind of in the arc. It's it's uh, slightly disconnected, but uh, more or less, you know, we do get a little piece of uh, of Tatooine and all that in there. But um, yeah, what's the kind of the first thing that you picked out of this one? Well, uh, <clears throat> while we're watching the show there, I know, I know you uh, pointed out that uh, George Lucas's little cameo in um, episode three there. And um it's it's the uh, it's yeah. the part in the movie where uh in revenge of the sith where anakin is going kind of through all the lobbies and he makes his way to where the chancellor is sitting and he starts talking to him about uh you know like uh his premonitions and stuff and he he learns about uh you know this this dark lord uh, yeah darth plagueis, darth plagueis yeah. and then uh yeah there's yeah. a little cameo outside the door there yeah, yeah which is uh george lucas but funny enough uh that is one of the main uh protagonists in this episode uh in sphere of influence but it's funny because um in the movie you don't you like you see the like the side of his face of george lucas's face so it's barely you wouldn't you wouldn't know yeah. un unless you really dig deep right but um it, it's funny his animation for the character in the show uh remains the same his voice is different it's voiced by someone else but like his face is completely like you can tell george lucas right yeah totally yeah, yeah. Hey. and and then the daughter as well his daughters uh, are uh, also um inspired by and play well one of them was played in the film by uh katie lucas his daughter mm -hmm. And then the other one that's uh, in the Clone Wars who did not show up in the film uh, was uh, inspired by his daughter, Amanda Lucas. So, um, yeah, so both his daughters kind of like inspired by there. Uh, and George Lucas's character in this episode is called uh, Baron Papanoida. He's the new chairman of Pantora. Uh, we saw the last chairman uh, die from a, a spear that was thrown in his back by one of the Tals. <laughs> on, uh, it was one of the earlier episodes that we watched called Trespass. 
and it was a um it was an episode uh with all the the talls on the snow planet the ice planet um and uh it was it was kind of a yeah it was a bit of a uh, a plot that kind of resembled the way that natives would feel when you know people invade their homeland right mm-hmm. um so yeah so the the pantorn chairman died and now george lucas's character baron papanoid is the new chairman and in this episode his daughters uh, uh chi Ekwe and uh che Emanwe, i guess mm-hmm. um are kidnapped uh by the trade federation in uh, as a result of uh trying to blackmail them into um doing something with the i don't know with the i don't know i, I forget yeah <laughs> <laughs> which is bad enough for me to say the, the the main focus was uh the fact that his his daughters were missing yeah uh something to do with uh you know um the trade federation and all that but anyway let's uh let's check out this featurette and then we can talk about kind of the more more of the main things in the episode shall sure. we sure yeah yeah all right cool master skywalker what is it ahsoka Someone has kidnapped Chairman Papanoida's daughters. My daughter's lives are in your hands, Inspector. You have nothing to worry about, Your Honor. We are in complete control of the situation. In Sphere of Influence, there are a lot of crazy things going on. Not the least of which is that my boss, George Lucas, is running around shooting up the canteen. You know, there, there are several things that you never think you're going to see or do um, in your career. Uh, you know, I never thought I'd work on Star Wars. I never thought I'd release a Star Wars film. I, I certainly never thought that I'd be responsible for animating George Lucas. But rather than get into that, I'm going to get into the cantina. We were tasked with recreating a very classic set. And the the first thing you realize about a lot of the New Hope sets is how sparse they really are. So for our show, which is, you know, stylized, a sparse set can be very tricky. It can make it look very empty. Go get the prisoner. So it's a challenge. And, you know, we had to make the stools. There's there's the booth where Han Solo sits with Greedo later. You know, obviously Greedo's a regular. Uh, there in his youth. Rito, what are you doing here? There's been a change of plans. And also we rationalized that, you know, the same owner probably didn't have it. We don't serve their kind here. <laughs> what? So we created a bartender for our canteen. And I think that this guy was so traumatized by the shootout with Baron Papanoida that he put the cantina up for sale. <laughs> okay, that's a nice little Easter egg there. Uh-huh. Uh, so, because of George Lucas's character, the the cantina is then sold to the guy who hates droids. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, nice little Easter egg there. But um, uh, I don't know what was your kind of like your first. Oh, actually, uh, one thing I do want to mention: uh, the species of people that that George Lucas and his daughters are supposed to be in Star Wars. Uh, uh, they're they're now called Pantorans, but Previously, they were originally known in 1994 as uh, a Runian, and uh, this was a species that was a, a humanoid, all blue, all blue hair and everything. I think these uh, these were developed, I think, for the uh, the West End game, Star Wars role playing game, um, and then later on was renamed to be uh, Pantorans. So, yeah, just a just an interesting little fact there but um so what was one thing about the episode that kind of caught your eye well uh like uh like dave filoni just said um we see greedo in this one right and as far as i recall other than uh this particular episode we we see him in episode four a new hope and i believe phantom menace right uh uh no uh with anakin no not or it's just uh, the species not not greedo i i think i want to say it was another Rodian, because that's a that's a lot of time. I don't know. Actually, that's a good question. Like, it, it I'll, I'll pull it up on Google. It, yeah, just bear with me. Real you, quick. Are you talking about the Rodian that showed up at the pod races? Yeah, yeah. Like, I wonder if that was yeah. a younger Greedo, because it is on Tatooine, right? So, um, yeah, it's not actually on his Wikipedia page. Here, um, but what's it called? Um, Greedo. He's not on on the the Wikipedia page, uh, 
But um, oh, actually, oh, anyways, uh, young uh, Greedo wrestles with a young Anakin Skywalker in a deleted scene. Uh, in Star Wars Battlefront, Greedo is one of the seven featured villains in the game. Oh wow, that's interesting. So yeah, apparently, to according to uh, oh, it's from Wikipedia. Yeah, I don't know how accurate it would be then, but apparently uh, there's a deleted scene from episode one that we have Greedo, a young Greedo, and a young Anakin uh, wrestling. Um, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Huh, I'll have interesting. to pull that up later. Um, but um, Yeah, so he, uh, it says here in his early life, originally hailing from the swamp planet of Rhodia, of course, mm-hmm. uh, during his youth, Greedo relocated and lived on the desert planet of Tatooine. After the slave boy Anakin Skywalker won the famous Bunta Eve Classic, beating the renowned Doug Racer Sabalba, um, Greedo jumped to the conclusion that he had cheated. Angered by the false accusations, Skywalker consequently found himself entangled in a fight with the young Rodian. Uh, Wald warned Greedo that if he continued to pick on fights, he would eventually have a bad end. <laughs> so that's kind of a funny little thing there. So yeah, that's kind of referencing that deleted scene you were just talking about um so yeah technically he does show up and then never did uh, yeah if you know so uh he was supposed to but um yeah that's that's a that, that was kind of a nice face to kind of see after i don't know you ne- you never think you're gonna see greedo of all characters in the clone wars yeah right? so. but what i found more surprising than that is like he's speaking english Right, because he, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like you watch episode four, and he's talking to Han Solo. He's like, "Wah wah be wah 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 Han Solo or whatever." Yeah. Right. So when when he's speaking English and there's no and he's not speaking his native tongue, I'm like, "Oh wow, that's surprising." But like it, it was pretty cool. Um, yeah. I think they did that just for the sake of the show being being a show primarily for younger audiences. Yeah. To an extent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but like, um, it's funny because like before uh, I was thinking when I was watching, um, when I was watching the episode, I kind of started to like piece it together. Like, cause Greedo, when, you know, when it came out in 1977, if you think about it at this point in time back then, like he's just, he's a nothing character. He's just a filler. Like Mm -hmm. he gets shot and then, you know, that's it. Right. Um, yeah. And you know, it's kind of at that, but now that there's a more background to it, it's, it's nice to see the, with the show, they're taking a lot of familiar faces and putting some more background to it. Like Greedo, for perfect example. Like we see a younger version of him. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, like, um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I wrote down this note here, uh, refresh my memory, but who in the episode says, uh, it happened in 1647. 1647 oh uh are you talking about the trade federation's um uh uh uh, neutrality agreement or something yeah that's right it was the 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 bill of 1647 or or something like that um uh yeah hold on a second i know exactly what you're talking about here Um, but with that like i thought when i heard that oh 1647 so that's a long time ago but at this you know at this point a long a long time ago in a galaxy far far away right the, you know like the commerce treaty of 1647 yeah. uh how many times must i remind you of the commerce treaty of 1647 the trade federation is neutral that was a pretty spot on uh separatist impression that's a lot that's a lot dot of the trade federation there. yeah that was uh, a-, a legal covenant that assured the neutrality of the Trade Federation, which controlled most of the interstellar shipping passing through the galaxy's rim territories. During the Clone Wars, it was often invoked by Senator Lot Dodd of the Trade Federation to counter accusations that it was in league with the Confederacy of Independent Systems because they did business with them. So he's, yeah, so he's kind of, it's, an, it's a treaty that kind of ensures that the Trade Federation can't be blamed for any accusations of not being neutral because they're supposed to be neutral but you know everyone knows like the 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 highest levels of the trade federation are incredibly corrupt now we just had an arc where we talked about corruption right but um it's seen in the trade federation all the time i mean newt gunray has 
he's definitely aligned himself with the separatists you know like he's like fully on board and even though he works for the trade federation um it's it's such a confusing kind of thing like you know it's like some of them work for the trade federation some of them are in the republic and yet they share the same company which is supposed to be neutral and it's kind of helping both sides and it doesn't really care and it tries not to take blame and then anytime they do something to kind of you know have anybody accuse them for something uh, they throw the 1647 treaty out at them and say hey we're neutral like don't bother us you know what yeah I mean? <laughs> so it's 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 definitely it's a hugely corrupt uh business and uh that is definitely a good a good point actually i didn't write that down at mm-hmm. all so um yeah but uh, hey we got to see greta we got to see tatooine uh this is the first time in a long time that we've seen rada and jabba yeah um Rata was uh, Jabba's son that got kidnapped in in one of the first couple items on our list that we watched. It was in the theatrical release, yeah. the Clone Wars movie, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. yeah, so it's kind of cool. Just you know, he's still uh, wiggling around. Yeah, it's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> gonna say he's still walking, but no. Nope. No. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else you got? Um, yeah. One? So like, there's later on in the scene or in the excuse me in the episode we have ahsoka who's um she's uh oh man uh she gets kind of uh she comes up to this door that's guarded by a um uh yes i believe the, it was a droid or a guard i can't remember it was a trade federation soldier trade federation soldier. or i i sorry i i like a nemoidian soldier yeah, yeah so she comes up and uh she uses a Jedi mind trick on this, um, uh, on this soldier, but she also has uh, someone with her. Um, and when they both pass through, the the person who's with her, uh, the guard looks at her and says um, the exact same thing: "You can't pass through, right?" Yeah. But then yeah. we kind of see Ahsoka like. Again, it's one of those classic points where, like, she's she's starting to hone in her skills, but she's still kind of clumsy. She, you know, she should have done "you will let us through" kind of thing, and rather than like, yeah. you know. But uh, yeah, like it's she's she's she kind of reminds me of uh, of another point. Like she she reminds me of Anakin in that sense because she's very you know, get the job done, but like uh, sometimes like some little fine details are missed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, I would say more of a younger Anakin, more so than like a you know approaching Episode Three Anakin. He's he's starting to get like a lot better and stuff. Um, but yeah, um, other than that, I wrote down like uh, Greedo still a horrible shot, right? <laughs> and yeah. uh, his 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 blaster sounds the exact same from Episode Four. <laughs> But um, what was cool about this? That, that was a cool scene in the cantina. I love that. Yeah, scene. and that whole that whole episode for me was like just uh, a new hope. The whole feeling around it was just, um, you know, episode four. It was nice to see, uh, you know, Job of the Hut. We've got Greedo, the cantina. Yeah, have to rescue a rescue a prisoner from a detention block. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. it was it was pretty sweet to see that. Um, I like when they, yeah I, the familiarity. Yeah, I like when they do that. They kind of do a little a little uh, a little homage back to um, the originals, and it's it's nice to see them do that. Um, uh, as far as that episode, um, yeah, I don't I don't have a whole that's lot. that's everything I got. Yeah, too. I think I'm glad you brought up the you brought up the mind trick, which uh, was kind of like one of my last things. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, just another little thing about how uh, Ahsoka is getting more confident with her abilities. But uh, let's let's listen to the featurette for the next episode uh, called Evil, Evil Plans. Plans. Yeah. R2, I ask you to oversee one thing and you allow this. What's a day for the droids like? I'm sorry, my lady, but it appears the dessert is missing its jogan fruit. R2 and 3PO get sent on this seemingly completely mundane mission to go get jogan fruit. A mission? Oh, my! While they're doing this, little do they know that one of the most notorious bounty hunters of the galaxy, Cad Bane, wants to kidnap them. The gold one is the target. Now get down there and do your job. At your service, Mr. Bane. Evil Plans this is the prequel to Hostage Crisis. This tells you how Cad got the information to infiltrate the Senate and break Zero out of jail. Job well done, 
bounty hunter. It's a really interesting crossover of a character that we created in the Clone Wars with two of our favorite classic characters, R2-D2 and C-3PO. Don't get technical with me. It's undeniable that Anthony Daniels solidifies this show as Star Wars. For the most important state banquet of the season, they sent us waiter droids with malfunctioning digits. I tried to think of something better than waiters with all thumbs, because mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. don't have thumbs. Anthony makes a lot of special dialogue changes to 3PO when we record a script. Sticky digits, malfunctioning digits. Malfunctioning digits. Tremendous. Can somebody write this down cleanly? And. I have always felt that, you know, he does this with such a great knowledge of the character that it really gives you, the audience, the most authentic performance you can possibly get. It's an interesting look at how Cad Bane starts to fit into Star Wars now as a character that's just always been there. He's just been slightly off camera, and here now with the Clone Wars, George brought him out, and now he's involved, and he's, he's much more involved. I'm your worst nightmare, pal. Oh, no. It starts to round out this idea that there is a much bigger, broader world going on in Star Wars than just what you knew or what you thought you knew. Thanks for the memories. Okay, so that was Evil Plans. Uh, and uh, so Jabba sends Cad Bane on a mission to obtain the schematics of the Senate District. And uh, Bane has a new Toto droid, which is the second one because th this entire arc is kind of pieced together by jumping around a few times. So we go to episode 304 to 308 to 122 to 309. So it kind of hops around a little bit. And I think in the process, uh, they may have kind of lost the motive to um, make sure that it's clear that this Toto droid is different from the first Toto droid that showed up. Because when he stole the Holocron from the Jedi Temple, he had a Toto droid there as well, and it blew up, right? So that was kind of the first thing that stuck out to me through this episode. But um, uh, yeah, what about you? Yeah, I mean, uh, we have our first appearance back from Cad Bane, and I I really like him. He's got that whole like Western kind of look, like cowboy, yeah. bounty hunter. Like he's 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 pretty sweet. Um and, uh, you know, so something that is this is like a this is a real like you know R two D two C three PO episode. Like it just it goes through them, you know, going through their paces, through their shenanigans, and like their their humor. Um, you know, there's a <laughs> there's a particular scene where they're trying to buy these uh, these fruit, um, and R two D two is you know speaking his language, and then C three PO is translating, and then the vendor says four credits each right there's a, there's a long pause and then he says each and like you know they want four of these fruits at four bucks each so you know 16 bucks total and then we hear c3po translate he's like oh a galactic robbery <laughs> like <laughs> yeah <laughs> so a galactic robbery yeah <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah good. i mean c3po he's always been one of those characters that like he talks too much but like he's so funny yeah. when he talks you know I yeah, and I love how Dave actually mentioned that about Anthony that he actually modifies the script a little bit when they when they do the recording because um he he just is C3PO. Yeah. You know like like Anthony Daniels has played C3PO in the movies, in the in the animations, in the holiday special, in uh the uh, old 80s animation cartoons, Ewoks and Droids. Yeah. He's played himself on every single uh, um, uh, the uh, what do you call those? The, the like the radio specials, yeah. You know the the dramatized, yeah, the dramatizations of of the films. He's played himself in those, and uh, he's done various other things. Uh, uh, you know, in regards to C three PO. So like the guy is just C three PO. Like this is just his thing, yeah. right? So when he comes in to do his recordings, it's like if if somebody else is writing his character. Which, you know, it, like it's natural, like it's got to fit the story. Like he's just not, he's just going to do it in his own way. Because at this point, C-3PO just lives inside of him. So, you know, if he, if he reads the script and he's like, okay, yeah, I, I need to convey this message. He'll just kind of say what he wants. Yeah. So I, I feel like I'm, I'm getting the feeling that this kind of uh, galactic robbery expression was uh, something of his own creation. Yeah, definitely. He improvised on that for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It sounds like yeah. it. It sounds like it. It's pretty good. Yeah. But uh, we saw the Grand Hut Council of the Hut, the five Hut families. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a few members on the council uh, representing the five Hut families, uh, but uh, or maybe maybe there's a few more. But yeah, I think I think it was five, right? Did they say five? Yeah, I remember five. Yeah. So who's sitting on the council is Jabba uh, Marlowe. Arok, Gorgia, or Gorga, or whatever, uh, Aruba, and I believe Gardula is also kind of on the council as well. Uh, the council meets uh, at Gardula's place on Nalhada. Uh, that's their HQ. And um, it was kind of cool to kind of see a little more of the inside of how the Hut clan works and, and everything like that. So I don't know if you know this, but uh, Jabba, Jabba has a last name. And well, a middle, a middle and a last name. It's, um, uh, it's Jabba, uh, Delaz, uh, uh, Tier or something like that. It's, it's, it's got a weird spelling to it. But if you look up Jabba the Hutt on Wikipedia, you can see his full name, uh, Del, Delazic Tier. Uh, I think. Yeah. Some, something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah. So Jabba the Hutt, though, the Hutt is just like an expression for, it's like saying, uh, oh, it's Diego, the human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there's not that, there's not that many huts out there. So, uh, so it's like, they all kind of have that title branded to them. But, uh, you know, Jabba is just kind of also known as Jabba because there's no other hut with the name Jabba. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of worth mentioning there. But it was cool to see the inner workings of the Hut clans, um, kind of council of leadership, and and how they all uh, cooperate with their underworlds activity and all their criminal organization stuff, and the fact that they have a hollow diary, um, which uh, comes into play in the the last episode of this arc. Uh, but, uh, you know, the whole kind of thing is like the whole organization is, has been going on for hundreds of years, right? So they've got hundreds of years worth of crimes that they probably can account for. And, uh, you know, there's record of that in this, in this journal, which will come up later. But, um, yeah, that was kind of, re- that was really cool to see the fact that they, these five hot families are kind of meeting and, um, they've hired Cad Bane to pull off this job, uh, and uh, that leads us into the next episode. If you don't have anything else about this, no, kind of same thing for me. Like uh, with the whole um, leaders of the Hut families, like it, it, it gave me that like very like you know Italian mobster kind of yeah, like, totally like mob yeah. boss, right? Like you know he's from Boston, yeah, mob like, bosses kind yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like it, it's it, it gives you the feeling where it's like you you can look up those videos on YouTube like um, you know mob bosses of the 1970s and how like there was a list of them right you know every corner every you know there was like but like altogether there was like six or ten you know they're they're like the baddest of the bad and you you don't touch them they're untouchable right yeah yeah, um, yeah for sure uh, oh was, uh, was that sorry that's that's oh that was the next featurette that's about to oh that in. sounded like Liam Neeson or something. In, from taken <laughs> it did yeah yeah, yeah. um uh, yeah but yeah no you're right yeah the italian the italian mobster is a it's a good comparison there that's that's totally yeah good. and uh, uh also the ig assassin droids from uh kind of the same one we see in uh uh the oh, mandalorian yeah. like that that yeah for that sure shows up a lot in in this episode um We've seen IG units employed by uh, Zero the Hut in the past, yeah. and uh, we've seen we've seen them pop up in um, in uh, it, there was it, there was a little arc at the beginning of the show where Anakin had lost R two D two in battle in in his ship, and it was a whole arc about him trying to find R two D two. So he he went aboard that that uh, scumbag's freighter, the Scavenger, uh, the one who found R two D two and had him captured on board the ship, right? And, um, when he was looking, when him and Ahsoka were looking around his, his warehouse in the, in the ship, uh, he activated these two assassin droids, which, which kind of went head to head with Ahsoka and, and Anakin. Do you remember that at all? Or maybe, maybe not. It's kind of a vague memory at this point. It was a while. It was a while back. Uh, it's a little, it's a little faded in the memory, but I, yeah, it was towards the beginning of the show kind of thing. All right, cool. Uh, let's uh, listen to the next featurette, A Hostage Crisis. 
Here we go. Ooh, that's a good scene. That's a good scene. I like that scene. Yeah, I like this one a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Bam! For kind of the first time in the Clone Wars, we see these bounty hunters really operating. And I, I wanted to show a very effective group of bounty hunters. Clear this platform now. Everybody else. Cad Bane is a new bounty hunter. He has to be instantly effective. Kind of on the level that I always wanted to see Boba Fett work on in the old classic trilogy. And we knew that this guy was going to be a very intense fighter, a very intense gunslinger, a very serious threat. Cad Bane works for the highest bidder. And I think he enjoys what he does. On your knees! Son, I wouldn't be so hasty if I were you. <laughs> Aura Singh makes her first appearance since Phantom Menace in this episode. She is also a very serious, intense bounty hunter that we're going to get to see more of. And even though she has only one line in the whole thing... Tie your little pet up. We'll bring him to Bane. I wanted to get across instantly that she is an effective, dangerous weapon. Help me! She is not to be trifled with. You get to see that short of coming up against a Jedi, these bounty hunters are incredibly dangerous, so dangerous that they take over the entire Senate. But I mean, that's a very difficult thing to do. This group does it quite effectively, quite violently. I, for one, have no intention of listening to this kind of insolence. And it's important to establish the bounty hunters aren't your garden variety alien laugh that you might get sometimes when you're in Jabba's palace, you have the crazy dancers and you have the crazy music scenes and you have the crazy you know, looking aliens all over the place. You need to get that, the, yes, these characters are bizarre, but they're lethal. Not so impressive without your lightsaber, are you, Jedi? You see these villains really getting the upper hand on our heroes and getting some victories, which I know is important to the fans. It's important to me that I want to see these guys, these villains, be effective. So when you see that hat that Cad Bane has, it's a very nice hat, by the way. Turn on the field. You know he's dangerous you know he's going to be effective and you know that the heroes are in real jeopardy a lot more jeopardy than it's just a battle droid standing there with a gun congratulations on a job well done bounty hunter time to pay up hunt. i don't work for free all right so that's our uh, hostage crisis episode um first thing uh that uh, it ties off of the last one. It was uh, he had to steal uh, in in um, uh, in you know the previous episode uh, evil plans. He had to steal the Cad Bane had to steal the plans for the Senate District, right? So now he's using those plans to help coordinate his team to strike a blow on the Senate and uh, take a couple senators hostage and uh, kind of use them as leverage to free Zero the Hut uh, because uh, his employer you know, being the, the hot council wants him in uh, their possession at this point in time, because Zero has a, has a very important hollow diary that I spoke of earlier, which, you know, they've, they've got to get their hands on again. So um, we got to see a bit of romance between Anakin and Padme in this episode, uh, which, you know, we don't catch a whole lot of because it's wartime and all that. But uh, yeah, uh, what was, what was one thing that you, kind of caught uh caught a couple things on this one like um like you were saying there's a lot of um a lot of like um uh, what's the word um because we've got cad bane right and we've got this uh sort of a mini clan if you will of these uh quite skilled bounty hunters and they're all We've got Or Singh, she comes back. We've got a Cad Bane and this uh, like little fish guy. I forget his name. Um, but they they've they've got these senators as hostage, you know, and they they place them in. I think they said the east side of this of the Senate building, right on the east side. I think they said, mm -hmm. and um, you know, they're so they're so smart because there's a clever line that he, he tells Anakin as he's, you know, he's in cuffs, right? He says, you know, um, not so impressive without your lightsaber. And it, it, it seems true, but it's, mm. you know, far from the truth, right? Because this kind of goes back to the whole, this weapon is your life yeah. sort of thing. Right. Yeah. So like, yeah. So for a lot of like for a Jedi, like their, their primary defense is, is, uh, 
completely reliant on on a on a lightsaber, right? Like that is their uh, their lifeline. Uh, it's used as as um, well. It's a symbol, but it's also their defense and their offense, right? Mm-hmm. And it's an elegant way of you know kind of bringing both into the same thing, right? Not as clumsily uh, but- as a blaster. Yeah, and like at this point in time, Padme is holding his lightsaber because uh, he's uh, given a tour in the episode, and uh, events happen where Bail kind of barges into her room to for an emergency thing, and he's got a Anakin's got a duck behind her desk and all that. So uh, you know she takes off with his weapon, and then he's stuck without it when this whole hostage crisis happens, and uh, he's like, "Oh well, now I don't have my lightsaber. I gotta improvise." So. Mm-hmm. We see Anakin on a on a nice improvisation spree for for a little bit there, but um, I'm surprised that Cad Bane just didn't shoot him right away, like without his lightsaber, you know, because he's the kind of character that I could see him like being like, oh, hey, it's a Jedi that unarmed, you know, like boom, like there we go, let's just take his body to the Separatists, a million credits right there, mm-hmm. you know. So maybe he does have a bit of professionalism in him a little bit, but. It's still not enough to prevent him from being like, you know what? Let's have some fun. Let's blow them up anyway yeah. on the way out, you know, yeah. and then hits his button anyway, right? So, so he's he's a bit of a loose cannon. He's a bit of a loose cannon for yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and he's got that saying, you know, I'll do any job if the price is right, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. but it, you know, it's it's funny. So they've got these, um, all these senators, you know, as kind of like a. Uh, collateral right so like you know i've got your senators you give me zero the hut you know we kind of you know call it a day at that but, yeah do it a trade yeah, yeah do a trade and you know release him from from prison from his cell but they're in this then in the east wing of the senate right and they place these three um uh they're they're like ticking time bombs i guess essentially and they punch in a code and then these lasers uh kind of go on it's kind of like a mission impossible kind of thing where you know take one step you hit the laser you're done kind of thing um instead of an alarm going off in this case it's a bomb and you die so mm-hmm. um yep. but it it's 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 funny because you know there there's multiple scenes where uh anakin is without his lightsaber for um you know the good first half of this episode and then you know you see him getting fired at and he just he dodges them right but you think like you know this is getting close to you know episode three is still a you know a year a couple years or so from this the events of episode three but you know come come rogue one that's only a couple you know what a couple years after episode three and he you know that beautiful scene at the end of rogue one we all know and love um you know, Darth Vader just kind of manhandles everyone. He's stopping blaster bolts, you know, and we see it in episode five, right? When, um, mm-hmm. uh, when Lando kind of betrays yeah, them. The dinner party. Yeah, yeah, he betrays yeah. them and then they open the door and Vader's there. He goes to fire a couple shots. He like dodges them, yeah. pulls the blaster. So it's not too far from what, you know, he could do. But uh, it's funny because I saw this, I saw this one video, uh, on YouTube the other day. Um, Sadly, I didn't watch it, but it, it, the title of it was Why uh, Anakin and Darth Vader are not the same person. I believe that's the title of it, and it's from Star Wars Theory. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? Like, yes and no, really. Like, that's one of those things that it's like, yes, they are, but no at the same time, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, you have one who's, like, he's got heart. You know, he's stubborn at times, but he gets gets things done. And, you know, he's 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 on the light side right and then you have just like one of the most you know top tier you know sith lords right who's just unbelievably like powerful and would just demolish well also like vader himself like he he um thinks of anakin as as dead yeah right yeah like he 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 thinks of himself as a jedi as as a life that doesn't exist anymore right like it's 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 not like he he does not identify as uh anakin skywalker whereas if you look at count dooku he full-on embraces the fact that he was once a jedi master and now he's telling everyone oh now i'm the most powerful jedi ever Mm -hmm. 
right? But he's really a Sith Lord that's just, you know, going by the name of Darth Tyrannus that nobody knows about. So he's got a very different story when it comes to his turn to the dark side, right? Yeah. Whereas Anakin's is very different. It's yeah. it's like a it's like this monster kind of takes over, right? Yeah. So it's like that yeah, classic saying from uh, Return of the Jedi just before Darth Vader, you know, kind of hands Luke over to the Emperor there. Um, he says, you know, I believe that you were once Anakin Skywalker, my real father. And then he says, yeah, you know, that name no longer has any meaning. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then he's holding his lightsabers, yeah. you know, so it's, um, you know, like, yes and no, but I, I really, I, I'm going to watch that because I would like to see what points he brings up. But, um, you know, it's like you said, like one, one kind of, you know, just totally, totally different people in, 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 you know, so that's an interesting argument, but, um, mm -hmm. a couple other things, uh, Oh, did you notice that or Singh is back? Yeah. I, yeah. I mentioned it. So, so in, yeah. So, so, Oh yeah. Sorry. You did. Yeah. But, uh, did you notice that she's back without any addressing the fact that she was imprisoned the last time we saw her? oh yeah that's right so yeah, yeah. So because of all the jumping around chronologically this is the one kind of plot hole that doesn't really add up is that because because they kind of skipped over the fact that that like oh yeah we're making episodes that go before this one and whatnot and you know we, we are watching them chronologically there's no mistake here but the mistake is on their end for including her uh her um imprisonment at the end of that boba fett arc yeah um yeah because she was then captured and you know we assume that she was just taken to prison right like that's 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 what we assume at least mm -hmm. um and what would have made more sense is if they had to do this episode over again is if they had zero released maybe they release or sing as well but not that i know why they would do that but um but yeah, they, they kind of skipped that over that part a little bit and they hope that no one even noticed. But, you know, we are kind of binging these through and <laughs> watching them in order. And so it's kind of hard not to notice. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, just a just a plot hole there. No big deal. But, uh, you know, it happens. Mm -hmm. But uh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, Cad Bane, right? Uh, I kind of want to I, I saw this point I wrote, I wrote down here, but like Cad Bane, like like I was saying, you know, he's got that he's got that Western, you know, cowboy old school yeah. style about him. I love Cad. Yeah, Bane, he's yeah. pretty sweet. Um, there's a scene in the episode where it's you actually hear you you hear the, the scene at the beginning of the um, uh, uh, what's it called? Dave Fil oh, uh, the, feature, the, uh, the featurette, yeah. yeah. You hear at the beginning of the featurette, and yeah. uh, it it's it's so good. It's, it's like really intense energy. Yeah, like you see. Okay, so it, to kind of paint a picture in your guys's mind, like we've got a bunch of troopers that are walking in a corridor towards this kind of you know room, and then behind the wall we've got Cad Bane, we've got or Singh, this fish dude, uh, whatever his name is, and then. Um, you know, he Cad Bane pulls out a grenade, kind of like starts the detonation. He's waiting for it to kind of, you know, be like a couple seconds before it blows up. And then as soon as all the troopers on the other side behind the wall, they enter the door. He throws the thing in there. They see that. Close. Yeah, it, the door closes and they're like, oh, no, it's a grenade. And then it opens and they're all dead. But, right? before, before, before it blows up, though, I love the little tip of the hat that he gives. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, <laughs> he throws the grenade in there. Everyone kind of looks at the grenade the doors shut and he's like tips his hat yeah. you know gives him gives him a little salute yeah. walks off and then you just hear the grenade blow up behind the doors yeah and, and uh yeah 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 and then orasing finishes off the last guy when the doors open again yeah uh shoots him in the face yeah just uh, savages right like they're so savage yeah. yeah no these guys are not to be trifled no for sure. no for sure um yeah and i think they're kind of trying to paint the picture in the story it's just how deadly some of these bounty hunters can mm -hmm. be right um, you know, and, and that actually leads us into the next episode, the last one in the arc here, uh, called hunt for zero, which, uh, we see Cad Bane take up two Jedi in battle here. Uh, but, uh, let's, let's listen to the featurette. And then did you have anything last, like to talk about that? Um, or, um, no, no, not really. I wrote down kind of zero. The hut is a bit of a drama queen, but I think yeah. yeah like he always is you know what i mean like yeah, yeah yeah um other than that no i think yeah that's pretty much it for me on that one but 
Okay, cool. Yeah. Let's listen to the featurette then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Drama queen. <laughs> You gotta love the huts. They love a good time. I'll give them that. I mean, they certainly know how to, to throw a big party. They love a big dance number. They, they obviously have big shows. I thought the dancing girls were great. And Darren Marshall and I, uh, the designer, we conspired to create these kind of big headdresses that look like the huts. And they accept everybody, all shapes and sizes. They don't have, you know, it's just kind of a really neat, uh, neat group of slugs. Reminds you of, you know, kind of. Growing up watching gangster movies and, you know, the Chicago nightclubs and uh, there's always an element of, uh, of a gangster film, so you had to have it. And along with that came a romance that uh, I think <laughs> shocks everybody. <laughs> Zero, honey, much you love. What happened to you? I thought you were coming back for me. I waited so long. I thought you didn't love me anymore. It's a love story between two of the most bizarre beings we've ever had in the Clone Wars. What I, I loved about the original trilogy was the romance between Han Solo and Leia, and you know how was that going to work out? And, you know, but in the Clone Wars, you get size noodles and zero, and how's that going to work out? I only care about us being together forever. <sighs> you really mean that? From the bottom of my fluid sack. <gasps> Reading the script and the dialogue between Size Noodles and Zero at the end of Act One, you just kind of scratch your head and go, wow, we are really way far out there. With true love, there's always a way. Oh, man. They just had to end it with that. Uh. Yeah, like you can tell it's just her dirty long mouth and like uh, just yeah, yeah, so gross. Yeah. And then his massive gaping hole of a mouth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that stomach yeah. has. If he opened his mouth wide enough, she could probably crawl. Oh yeah, inside. his stomach has no end. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh. Uh, yeah, hunt for zero. Um, so this is a pretty interesting episode because there's there's a good, really good action scene that's we're gonna get to real quick here. But um, it, it, it kind of kind of something that I noticed, like um, it, it, it's it's kind of a little bit uh, pays a little ho- bit of homage to Return of the Jedi. Um, very nice, like a little bit of you know Episode Six kind of going on, and we see, um, you know, we see. Uh, size noodles right or miss snooty apparently she's called uh, uh, she's a palawick um and one interesting uh thing i want to bring up is that in the original one um for those of you who may or may may or may not have seen it um the music as as you know when leia's disguised as this bounty hunter and she walks into jabba's hut there and there's a there's a you know there's a party going on uh the music is totally different because like um there was the original and then there's the um special edition and i think we have the clips here uh just to kind of yeah, show so this you is, this is the original it's called lapti neck by jabba's palace band so you know but jazzy yeah it's jazzy and you can yeah so it's it's different right like it, it paints the scene very differently from like what what I have on DVD, for example, because mine is the special edition. Mine's a totally yeah. different song, right? Mm-hmm. But it's very period correct. The the jazziness, you know, like 80s kind of feel, like came out in 80, 1983, yeah, right? Yeah, that so, like funky town. Yeah, kind of totally, totally. To yeah. 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 It's got a bit of a disco tone to it. Yeah. Well. Yeah, like, you know early 80s kind of disco kind of thing came out in 83 um and yeah so basically you know that music makes that scene seem totally different whereas we have our next clip here which will be from the the special edition uh which a lot of you guys if you have it on dvd um this is what you would hear um 
But again, yeah. So this is the Jedi Rocks from Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Um, post post special edition. Yeah. And that is uh, Size Noodles yep. singing right there in the background. But, <laughs> but interestingly, interestingly enough, um, uh, we don't see her CGI in the first one, right? Like, um, in like the original. No, like, she. Yeah, in the original, she was in the background as a like a, a practical puppet. I yeah, believe. just kind of s- sitting there. But like in in the newer release. Uh, they really featured her. They really the, featured her as as singing. Like um, kind of the background images uh, are kind of the same, but um, yeah, yeah, different. But again, you can see two different styles, right? And it totally makes the the newer version makes it a lot more upbeat. Whereas the original is kind of like you know it's it's you know it's a bar, right? You know everyone's having a good time, kind of you know yeah. relaxing, kind of lounging and stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah totally. that that was a nice little. Um, nice little thing i wanted to yeah add it definitely there. kind of that for sure it's another character that you just don't expect to show up yeah. right like it's like oh wow of course yeah they'd probably still be around right yeah also uh, those uh those but, peg guards whatever their names are um oh the gamorian the more gamorian yeah. guards yeah. yeah of course we'll see those around jabba's palace and stuff as yeah. well um i guess the the main the main character that they kind of started to feature or introduce in in terms of like in the show uh is quinlan Voss. Yep. So Quinlan Voss is an interesting guy. He's a bit like a surfer dude. Uh, laid back. I love the way that they, yeah, laid back, kind of too chill. Right? Yeah. Um, I love the way that they introduce him, you know? Yeah. Uh, Obi-Wan's having a word with Cody about it. And uh, Cody's like, uh, yeah, he's this guy's got quite a reputation. And then Obi-Wan's like, oh, that's one way to put it. Uh, let's just say he's crazy. You know? <laughs> and then yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Hey, Commander, looking good, Kenobi. You're a little worse for wear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How's Temple life? Yeah, yeah. He's he's a he's a he's an interesting yeah. character. He doesn't live at the temple. Yeah, he he doesn't live at the temple. He lives outside of the Jedi Temple. The way that he's uh, he is uh, is very like outdoors. Like mm-hmm. that, that's just kind of his part of his race. I believe uh, is is like that and uh temple life never really agreed with yeah he's like a hippie yeah yeah Yeah. basically basically he's got the yellow line under his eyes and everything (laughs) he's also a very cool character though yeah he's got he's got sides of him which aren't silly right like he's got like a seriousness to him which uh which works for him as a jedi right so uh one of the examples is when him and obi-wan are investigating the uh you know they're trying to track down zero the hut right um but uh they're they're at the t- at uh i believe it's gardula the hut's palace and um he picks up a, a a cup that zero held in his hand earlier that that day or whatever and uh he quinlan Voss has an interesting ability called psychometry and psychometry uh, is also an ability that Cal Kestis has uh, from Jedi Fallen Order, the video game. It's it's an ability where uh, if a, if a Force user touches an object, they're able to uh, feel its history and and co- uh, kind of like get images of of like what that object has been through. Um, there's a a character in a book called Force Collector, which kind of leads into the Force Awakens a little bit, um, and it's about this random kid, uh, Force uh, sensitive who goes around collecting old relics of the old Republic days and uh, talking about like the Clone Wars era and and the Jedi. And he's just obsessed, right? Like he goes around, that's kind of his thing is he, uh, the book is called Force Collector. So um, that's uh, a bit of a nod to his force sensitivity uh, and this ability to kind of uh, see the history of objects by touching them. And so he collects them. So um, yeah, Quinlan Voss is kind of, one of these special cases. And uh, another good example of this is when Rey touches the Skywalker saber, she gets this flashback of of Luke and Vader kind of like on Bespin and uh, all that stuff, right? So like this is an ability that we've seen a few times now, but it's not something that we always see in, in, uh, um, in we haven't really seen it too much in the prequels. And so Quinlan Voss is just one of those characters that has this gift. Um, 
But uh, did you notice that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like it was, it gave me that whole, you know, like that's a Raven thing. Like kind of like, <gasps> and then her, you know, zooms into our eye and then she like sees something that's about <laughs> to happen. Right. It's not exactly like a premonition, but it's, it's being able to connect with something um, through yeah. the force. But um, yeah, Qu- Qu- Quinlan Voss is like, it, like you were saying, he's very, you know, he definitely has that like surfer hippie kind of vibe and he, yeah, he's, yeah, he really does. he's yeah. he's i don't know like you got i don't know about you guys but like for me like i sometimes like if i see like a, a certain character in star wars and let's just say like i haven't like per- perfect example quinlan boss never seen him never seen him in the show you know like i, I see him and i'm like green lightsaber and sure enough has a green lightsaber and like i don't know like i just <laughs> i don't know i think like when you put like you know, even if, if like, let's say, you know, like there's a, you know, you, you just give me some random person and let's, I, if I were to pretend they were in Star Wars, like, I don't know. It's just like, I, I almost feel that I put a lightsaber to the face, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like it's, I don't know. Just a weird, weird side note. I, I thought I would mention, but um, yeah, like he's very, um, he seems very free. And and there's a there's an action scene that's pretty wicked. So we've got we've got Obi Wan, we've got uh, Quinlan Voss, and we've got um, Cad Bane. Uh, and they're they're like just before this this scene happens, we've got um, we've got uh, you know, Sai Noodles who is kind of goes with Zero the Hut to his father's tomb and there sound sorry it sounded like you just said thai noodles no thai thai noodles no thai noodles um uh, no um size size noodles yeah so um we we see them go back to uh zero the hut's father's tomb right and we see he's kind of cocooned and a worm slug kind of thing but uh there is this uh hollow recording of all the crimes it's just a giant oh, the, the hollow diary yeah the yeah, hollow it's diary like a, it's a record of uh, of all of the the basically anything that the the old hut grand hut council has done is recorded in this book yeah and uh which is a, a hollow a hollow diary a hollow book basically yeah and you know you can just imagine just by the way you know zero the hut kind of describes it like it's he says i i I don't remember exactly what he says, but he says something along the lines where, uh, you know, it's got a lot of dirty stuff in there. Like just every crime you can think of, like who's done it, when they did it, you know, how many times. It's enough. It's enough that if the uh, Hut Council ever were to kill Zero the Hut, uh, his version of blackmail is to say, hey, well, if you kill me, I have ways of getting that journal into uh, the Senate's hands. Yeah. And they will be pretty mad because at this point in time, um, at least I can speak for Jabba at least, but uh, I believe it's the Hut clans um, are aligned with um, the Republic at the moment in the in the war. Yeah, uh, they are. They are allowing. Uh, this was the whole plot in in the movie that we watched in the theatrical release. Right, mm-hmm. uh, was that returning Jabba's son would permit the Republic uh, into their their hyperspace lanes and everything. Right. So, cause the huts control a very kind of unique part of space and uh, it, you know, multiple planets. So it's not just Tatooine, but um, it's, it's, it brings us all the way back to what Qui-Gon said in the Phantom Menace with uh, you know, it's controlled by the huts, right? So the huts are gangsters. They control multiple planets. Uh, Nar Shaddaa is one very popular, busy planet, city planet, kind of like Coruscant. Um, and uh, Nalhada, of course, being their home world, and uh, Tatooine, and uh, there's there's a few others, but um, but yeah, that's that's uh, where was I going with that again? Um, the the huts and like how they're gangsters. Yeah, just I don't know, just a little. Oh yeah, just a little. Oh, uh, zero the hut yeah. and and their crimes, yeah. right? So so yeah, so all their activity has been recorded in this diary, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, and so like if he were to die. Uh, his way of blackmailing his own relatives and other clan members uh, is to say, "Hey, well, if you kill me, uh, this is gonna basically screw all you guys over." Mm-hmm. So, because yeah. uh, otherwise, you'll have the Republic showing up with their warships on your doorstep, and uh, they've got the power to bombard your planet. Yeah, <laughs> which they probably wouldn't do, but you know, it's 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 the fear is there. Yeah, right? but funny enough, um, little did he know that they um, they actually hired. 
um, size noodle, size noodles to kill him. Right. So she kind of yes, Jabba did. Jabba did. Jabba yeah. Did. So um, yeah. So it puts Jabba in now in the position of power. He's behind the whole thing. It's to give him more leverage against. I would assume give him more power and leverage in the hut grant council. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because yeah. uh, that that diary, that hollow diary, uh, it's it's quite heavy. So you know, it's got every every clan member's crimes. You know, how many times they committed it. Just you name it, like when they did it, like it, it's all their dirty all deeds, their dirty yeah. deeds. So it's got a lot of weight, and it's a huge, you know, uh, negotiation item in terms of blackmailing. But um, you know, uh, there's a there's a point in the episode where um zero and the palawick they kind of um they're discussing how like they kind of broke up because they were in a weird relationship and like i don't don't ask me how that relationship kind of worked because it's it's weird watching it so but at any rate um they kind of talk about how they're broken up and like they want to you know they sort of make it seem like they kind of want to get back together and and stuff so Zero the Hut takes her to her his father's tomb and then gets the hollow diary and then kind of backstabs him, pulls out her blaster, and then kills him. And then she darts away. Yeah. But then comes this epic battle, and we've got Obi-Wan Kenobi, we've got Quinlan Voss, and we've got Cad Bane, and they yep. they do some pretty spectacular stuff. I mean, there's there's a part in that uh, one part that stuck out to me was um kind of when Cad Bane kind of like temporarily kind of like knocks out Quinlan Voss and then Obi-Wan kind of grabs his lightsaber and then he dual wields and then he's dodging blaster bolts like with two and I, I thought when I saw that I was like you know that kind of reminds me of episode two when he's against Dooku because same colors blue and green right uh hmm. no 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 sorry that's that's that Anakin. Anakin yeah that yeah Anakin. that's Anakin but at any rate um yeah, so like um, that was a cool. Fight. It was. was. It was really, really cool good. Fight. And I love. I love how Cat Bane disarms Obi Wan and and uh, even even wields Voss's lightsaber for a brief moment. Yeah, um, as well. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I noticed that uh, in this episode we do get. Oh, so first off, uh, just a little side note: Gardula the Hut, um, who is the host of the the council, uh, who meets at his palace on Nalhada. Um, this is the same character that uh, used to own Anakin and Shmi Skywalker. Yeah. This is the Gardula the Hut that uh, Anakin and Shmi were sold then to Jabba the Hut. Uh, or sorry, no. Uh, yeah, was it Jabba? No, they were sold by Gardula the Hut to, um, I guess, Watto or something like that. Um, so Watto, Watto later owns them. But yeah, they were once owned by Gardula the Hut. So that's... That's that out there. I just wanted to get that out. But um, we saw the Hut's mama. <laughs> she is very uh, was, fat. Like she's huge. Yes. <laughs> this is uh, this is kind of a because okay. So Huts produce asexually. So they're they can either be with Huts. It's a weird thing. Like there there's males and then I guess there's females. Being the fact that there's a mama, but sounds like a big black dude. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny, but. Um, but yeah, they're, they, they pr- reproduce asexually. So there's no, like no two huts make one hut, just one, one hut kind of off breeds its own baby kind of thing. Uh-huh. But, uh, but yeah, this, this particular one is, uh, Zero's parent and Zero is the uncle to Jabba. So this is not Jabba's mother. This is, I guess, Jabba's aunt, I would, or sorry, Jabba's, uh, great aunt i guess yeah mm-hmm. um in yeah i think if i'm doing the family ancestry a little correctly but either way the huts are very kind of well you know uh tied up in the family tree uh we saw teth uh, again mm-hmm. did you get that yep. uh like the teth uh, the planet that we saw in the clone wars film <laughs> where we had the monastery scene and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I find it interesting that the, the hollow diary is hidden there because um, when we first saw that planet, uh, it was mentioned by Anakin to Ahsoka when they started walking into that big monastery that uh, he said that, you know, gangsters uh, come and, and uh, uh, take over these old abandoned monasteries and turn them into their own personal retreats or whatever he says. So I thought it was very appropriate that kind of we we do get to kind of see the fact like oh yeah that's like 
just another planet that's, you know, within the, the hut realm that, you know, they're, I guess, familiar with and probably have monasteries on and temples and whatever that they kind of make into holiday homes. So, um, that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, I think, I think I'll just wrap it up here. All right. Thanks guys for tuning in and thank you, Diego. Always great to have you back. Uh, you'll be back again from the next Clone Wars part where we start off uh, a bit of a political trilogy of episodes starting with heroes on both sides uh, really great episode that's kind of when we start to see the models change Ahsoka's growing older Anakin's growing older all that stuff um, so the characters looking a little more towards what they would in Revenge of the Sith kind of era um, but yeah approaching the halfway point here so that's that's good news Uh, Thank you to all you listeners out there for tuning in and uh, be sure to, uh, if you can, uh, there's two ways you can help us out. One is to share this podcast with a friend, somebody who likes Star Wars, somebody who loves it, whatever it is. Uh, That's one of two ways. The other way is uh, if you have the option to leave a review on your podcasting app or site, um, if you can give us that five star or great stellar review, that would be that would be awesome. That would help our numbers. That would just help us kind of uh, kind of get out there a little more. Because uh, if we get enough reviews, then then uh, you know it's a possibility that it could start to be boosted in the search results for for Star Wars podcasts and all that stuff. So if you can uh, drop that that review, that would be that would be amazing and help us out quite a bit. So thank you so much. And uh, other than that, um, I guess we'll see you on the the next episode of Star Wars Escape Pod, whether it be Clone Wars Talk or otherwise. uh, We're going to be bringing you guys as much stuff as we can with the whole isolation process that we're all going through right now. Hope everyone is doing well, doing healthy, all that stuff. Keep washing your hands, staying clean, and uh, may the Force be with you. It's like...